This is a special series dedicated to supporting the success of the Royal Canadian Legion. There are several Legion branches across the country which are struggling, and several others which have closed down. And yet, there are other branches which are thriving. The intent of this series is to investigate why some branches thrive while others wither away. At the end of the series, I will do a conclusion episode with the do's and don'ts of successful branches. This roadmap to success will be available to all branches and to National Command. It is my sincere hope that the Legion embraces this information to create a plan to move forward and to ensure the survival and success of the Royal Canadian Legion. When the Legion succeeds, the entire veteran community succeeds. It is crucial that the RCL continues to be a cornerstone of veteran support and advocacy. This can only be done by attracting more veterans into leadership roles within the organization. Attracting more veterans can only be done by creating a warm and welcoming environment for the veteran community. Please, share this episode with as many Legion members as you can. Together, we can save the Royal Canadian Legion. Thank you for tuning in to another special edition of Operation Tangle Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. We are doing a special series on how to save the Royal Canadian Legion. Because, although I think they'd like to pretend otherwise, it does need some saving. They are drowning, and I'm doing my best to throw a life preserver to them. So to do that, I'm interviewing all kinds of people who have been a part of a Legion that wasn't doing so hot, and has turned them around or talking to legions that are successful and trying to figure out why that is. Is it just location? Is it luck? Or is there actually some secret sauce here that we can dissect and share with other people? So joining me on the show today, I have a legend in the veteran community, Scott Casey. He's the um, founder of the Rolling Barrage and the author of Ghost Keepers. Brother, thanks for being here, man. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks, Mark. If a royal and a patricia can get along, there's hope for the world, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, it's such an important topic. Uh, let's roll back a little bit. What was your first experience w- with a legion? As uh, Was it before you even joined the military? Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in the legion community as a kid. My uh, A lot of my family members have served uh, Canada and, and the United Kingdom, so it was... It was a normal part of growing up. We'd go to the Legion on weekends and and uh, help out. And there was a lot of family oriented stuff back in the day. And yeah, so I've been in I've been involved, you know, from a very young age. What kind of family oriented stuff do you uh, do you recall from being a kid? Uh, well, there was uh, of course, you know, weekend uh, outings. Uh, you know, we'd play games and whatnot. You know, potato sack races and all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of Lots of involvement within the community. Well, I also have memories of potato sack races. Those are always a good time. I, I don't like uh, the odds of me making it to the finish line nowadays with my knee. <laughs> thank you, infantry. you. Thank you, infantry. And uh, now, when you were a serving soldier, what was your impression of the Legion at that time? And what do you think the general impression was in, in the 90s when you were serving? Oh, uh, when I was serving, I, I was completely out of touch with the Legion because we had the junior ranks club and, uh, you know, there, there just wasn't any uh, requirement for us in that area. So I was, uh, most of my service was in Europe, 
you know, five years over there. So let's talk about the junior ranks club for, for a moment. Cause I think that's an important mm-hmm. bit. So yep. what was the purpose of a junior ranks club and why did you enjoy going there instead of whatever the local civvy bar was? Well, I mean, it's, it's very well known in the, in the veteran community, same as the first responders, like the police, they, uh, they definitely stick to their own. They're, they're safe there. They know they're not going to get jumped, you know, for the most part. I mean, of course there's always interbranch rivalry, uh, in a junior ranks mess, but, uh, that's, uh, it's generally, you know, it's a place of respect and you, you toe the line and, and, uh, you're there to have a good time and, and, uh, have a few pints and, and, uh, you know, different than going to a, a civilian establishment for sure. There's a safety net there. So safety and is there a sense of camaraderie or a, a sense of you're always welcome to be there at the junior ranks? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously people get barred if they're obnoxious, but, uh, you know, same as anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, not guilty. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just that one time. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it's definitely a safety area. You know, we can, we know we can, uh, do what we want as long as we toe the line, you know, keep it within the rules. And I think, you know, whether it's a junior ranks club or, uh, sergeants, warrant officers, mess or officers, mess, I mean, there's always shenanigans, but, Everybody, uh, everybody knows how to be respectful. You know, they're not, we're not there to damage the place. And, and, uh, you know, we, we know that there's, there's the camaraderie and the, and the brother sisterhood that, uh, you know, that goes along with those establishments. So now moving in, what was the first time that, uh, you decided to re-enter the Legion? Were you still serving or was it, uh, how long were you out before you said, Hey, I think I'm going to go check out the Legion. I had, uh, I'd been released for about two years before I, I went back to a Legion. And that was the first time that I enrolled. And that was with a branch in hundred mile Oaks. And I was there for a few years, but, uh, I, I was never home. I was always on the highway. So my, my position there was, was a bit different. So although I was a, you know, a dues paying member, I, I wasn't involved because I was never around. And what was the idea? Like, why were you parting with your money and keeping your dues up to date at the Legion. What was sort of the driving force that kept you doing that? Well, I, I believe, and I still do to, to the greater extent that the Legion does provide a service for veterans and, and uh, we want to see that continue. And, and that was my, my premise for, you know, keeping the funds going in and uh, supporting the branch I was in. And what have you seen as far as support um, and before you got involved in uh, the executive and stuff, like what was your impression of how the Legion supports the veteran community? Uh, for the most part, it's just been through word of mouth from other people that have, that have had dealings with it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good service officers across Canada and uh, like anything, any institution, there's, there are ones that are uh, waning of late. So um you know, I had I had heard nothing but good, to be honest, about uh, what was going on. There's, of course, always uh, you know issues that that come about, and you have to understand that stories um, they they have a life of their own, and mm-hmm. I think it's important to to do your your fact searches and make sure you know what's what's going on. So, uh, I personally haven't heard. Uh, or been involved in anything that's been negative in that regard. But I know that there are definitely branches that, that are having those kind of troubles. So what kind of negative things uh, are you aware of? Uh, well, I know that uh, 
there are some locations where it's it's definitely a civilian-run organization now, and you know veterans are not being welcomed in with open arms uh, to the point where even some of them have been asked to leave uh, because they don't agree with how things are being run. And, and yeah. you know that the Legion is there for veterans to have a safe place to 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 be. I mean, it, it was essentially a, a, a private members club and still is. Uh, that that focuses on the veteran community and serving members if they if they so desire as well as the RCMP. So uh, you know I I'm I'm a little I'm disappointed that that there are some that that have lost their way. Are you seeing that uh, more and more? I know I grew up in Sherd Park and th- that legion was bustling for a while. It's pretty nice looking legion, but it shut down. And um, there's a lot where you see on the news there's fundraisers because there's legions that are about to go under. And the only way that they seem to be staying alive is by doing a fundraiser as opposed to changing the environment so that veterans actually show up and patronize the place or find other ways to stay alive. What have right. you seen? Well, I think something to keep in mind too is that a lot of these legions uh, – are in towns that at one point uh, supported veterans that, that were from the town. I mean, uh, you look at the first and second world wars. I mean, the, the, uh, the amount of serving members that came home, the numbers are, are astronomical compared to what they are in uh, today's times. Uh, you know, uh, and a good example is just to look at uh, the amount of fatalities in the first world war. Like we're talking in the, in the millions and and so you look at the Second World War and it, and it's not as high. And then you look at Korea and it it gets less. And then you know each war we're having less and less uh, fatalities. And, and a lot of that is based on the fact that we send less and less people overseas to to fight. So I mean there's there's a definite uh, correlation between how many people are enrolling as veterans uh, based on how many people are actually veteran nowadays it's it's considerably different uh so that being said uh a lot of the issues with smaller legions is they're surviving based on the fact that they are civilian operations the the most of the clientele are civilians the uh the executive is completely civilian and uh you know they they're struggling to survive because they they're holding on to antiquated ways of doing business and like warfare, we don't we we don't use the the Ross rifle anymore or the Ross shovel. You know, we we've advanced to this point where now we're using state of the art technology. Why? Because we have to. We've had to change and and adapt to the the ongoing environment, and that goes the same for the Legion. If they continue to hang on to old values uh, staunchly and refuse to make some some changes, whether they're minor or or large ones they are going to die. It's just a reality. You can't, you can't function any other way without change. What are then, some- you know, I have a, a saying that's out there is there's two things people don't like, and that's the way things are and change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, what are some of the old guard ways of thinking that are not any longer serving the Legion from your point of view? Well, I mean, every, again, this, each legion is is run independently, even though they're mm-hmm. under Dominion command. Um, so what might work for one legion might not work for another. You know, like our branch, we still host meat draws on Saturday. 
and I know other legions that that don't because they're it would kill their business completely. They they're open as a as a pub during that time, and they're they're doing well. So, you know, it's a, it's there's there's no one size fits all you know uniform for this for this issue. There seems to be a negative feedback loop of the legion is having trouble getting veterans. So more and more the uh, civilians take take it over, then it becomes their own private club. And once it's their own private club, they protect that by making veterans, um, the stories I keep getting, the feedback I keep getting again and again, is that they feel unwelcome. When an actual veteran walks in the door, yeah. uh, they feel like, oh, you're threatening, you know, this is <laughs> this is actually your house, but we like it, so we want to keep it our house, and, um, and, and that's where that unwelcome feeling comes from because they, they want to protect their private club. But that is what's yeah. killing the legions, what I've been seeing, and by dissecting yeah. all the feedback that I've been getting, that negative feedback loop. Now, um, in the Merit Legion, did it have a big turnaround as well where it was doing well or not doing well and then it got turned around is that is that the case there yeah there was there was a time but i'll be honest the the executive short of myself and one other member uh, is all civilian and prior to that there was one member that was uh, that was a veteran on there um, you know, there's there there's systemic issues that that happen in any organization, uh, whether it's the le- the legion or otherwise, and you know, um, it's important that the executive is uh, responsible for itself in an ethical way. You know, there's there's conversations out there, and I've I've seen this myself where you walk into a legion and and you're not welcomed in with open arms. You get the the kind of big stare look from the the stamp tish, the big table where, you know, the 10 regulars that are there don't give you the time of day. Wondering who the hell uh, are you invading my home? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. This is our club. And, and uh, you know, uh, the reality is, is it's not, it's, it's the veterans club. And, you know, uh, we have a, we have a big table in our branch and there's a group of regulars that sit there and, you know, it's a joy for me. I watch them. I, I was in my branch for a number of years before I became involved because I wanted to see how it behaved. And, you know, happily, they, they were accepting of everybody that comes in. So, I mean, there's obviously rules, take your hat off and yada, yada, all that kind of stuff, which we, we still try to, you know, maintain some of the old ways. But they are uh, they're welcoming, and, and that's a big, big factor. Uh, I'm struggling right now with, with getting our younger members to come in to our branch uh, just because the, the stigma that's been held over so many branches uh, that haven't adapted to the changes, um, that, that it's created that, that, whole, that whole stigma, you know, and, and so now it's very difficult. But there are young guys coming in. I actually have a, a 29 year old uh, artillery guy that's come in now. And so that's great. I mean, we're, we're, we're in, we're in the twenties, 20 year olds coming in. I mean, he's almost 30, but still, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty, a good. pretty big deal when everybody considers the Legion to be a, an old person's club, you know? And what do you think has to be in place for that generation to start for the people in their twenties and early thirties to start showing up? Like, what does that got to look like for them to say, well, this isn't just a place for uh, old codgers and grumpy civilians? 
Yeah, like me. Um, I think uh, one of the one of the things that has to be done is there has to be a more of a pub style uh, reality that's that's brought in. Where we most legions are are in competition as per se with uh, regular businesses uh, on the street, and most people will go to where the where the games are and the, like they're watching sports and they're having beers and and so on enjoying good food. And if you don't have a kitchen, if everything was based off of the old, um, the old mentality of having a ladies auxiliary who volunteered for everything, uh, you know, they, they, again, in today's day and age, they die. So there has to be changes and, and I'm just trying to do what I can in our branch to help out. They, you know, our executive and has done a fantastic job. So I'm, I'm quite pleased with what they've done. Well, what are some of the do's and don'ts, though? Like some of the specific do's and don'ts do you think that has to be in place for people to come, to come show up, keep paying their dues, but more importantly, show up and, and spend a couple of bucks on a drink or a meal? Um, well, I mean, number one is being welcoming. Uh, I agree. There needs to be a change in, 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 what's, in what's being done, you know, just, just even social media. You know, you can you can do so much on that avenue. Have people come in and and realize, oh, you mean we're allowed to bring our kids in here? Lots of them don't even know that. We've got young vets that are unaware that they can bring their kids in. I mean, they just obviously have to be respectful. But I mean, now they don't have to look for uh, for childcare. They can bring them in. You know, come in and sit down and have a coffee. I mean, I'm a, that's something else I'm doing. That's that's a do. I, I'm hosting uh, coffees on Monday. You know. It's called Monday Mug Up. Come on in. Coffee's free. Donuts are free. And that's for veterans or uh, or RCMP officers to come in. And So there's a good do. You know, it gets people to come out and they're in a safe environment. And who doesn't like free coffee and donuts, right? So. <laughs> well, there's got to uh, be more than yeah. just meat draws and darts, right? And um, no, Yeah, absolutely. W- w- what are some of the ideas that have come to the table that, that are you're considering as far as including with the Legion? Well, I mean, COVID definitely uh, took its toll on, oh, yeah. on most, you know, most businesses, including the, the Legion. Uh, we need to have uh, a, a properly running kitchen, you know, like a bar style kitchen uh, and, and sports up on the, uh, up on the telly. That's, those are all things, uh, you know, Keith Henderson in, and his wife Sue in Jasper have done a phenomenal job of creating a couple of events that are just phenomenal. And I've attended, you know, uh, annually now since it began and that's their, their mess dinner in the, in the, uh, in the fall. And that, that gives the opportunity for uh, people to come in and see what the Legion, like what the, uh, what the stigma or not the stigma, sorry, to find out what's in behind, what lies behind the, the closed doors of the Legion. So they, of course they have to be invited or they have to buy tickets, you know, that are out there. And as long as they're wearing, you know, their their uh best kit or tuxedo and, and and or gowns for the ladies they can they can attend and and they learn a lot about military history and and that's something that needs to to be kept as a as a do within the legion is understanding our history most people don't lots of the legions don't know the history of of our military i shouldn't say most there there are many that don't because they're a civilian run operation so that's that's a big one, and then being able to capture the the younger veterans coming in is is understanding Afghanistan, Iraq, 
Bosnia, uh, Cambodia, na- name off, you know, the last 50 UN missions since 1979. And, and you'd have a host of people coming in. The other thing is that service officers are very, a very crucial part of a legion in helping veterans. They're the ones that, that can help with the ins and outs and, and dealing with the red tape of getting vets looked after properly. So it's not necessarily just calling up veterans affairs and you'll get all the answers you need. Sometimes you need an advocate who's willing to sit down with you and help you go through paperwork and, and do the, the hard work. And trust me, after nine claims of my own, uh, it's a, it's a bloody struggle to get through that. And that's why service officers and legions are important. So right. if they don't have one of those that, that understands, you know, I agree. And uh, what what people don't understand is if somebody is suffering from PTSD, one of the most common things is that we are easily overwhelmed by paperwork, easily. And even a completely healthy person who does paperwork for a living uh, and and spends a lot of time in a cubicle uh, doing administration kind of stuff, they go into the Veterans Affairs system and they're overwhelmed. Um, half the forms make no sense and they ask the wrong questions or the things that you got to fill out aren't even related to the claim. Um, you don't know how to answer the question and it's, uh, or you don't know which form to, to use. It's, um, and when you do start filling out the form, they can be very, very onerous. So uh, if you are already have a predisposition to not being very good at that kind of thing, like myself, I'm horrendous at uh, filling those out, um, then they just don't get filled out. And, and that's where a service officer comes in, where it's like, I got you. I got you. We'll get through this together. Um, I'll just ask you the questions and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it together. And without that service officer, without that advocacy, um, I mean, I'm sure Veterans Affairs doesn't mean to be predatory, but really the system, for whatever reason, ends up being predatory. And uh, people just don't put in the claims or they give up because deny, deny, deny is so usually the SOP. Delay, deny, and yeah, delay, deny, and hope that we'll die. That's the, <laughs> that's the monogram that goes with that, right? So, yeah, that's about right. Delay, deny, and hope mm-hmm. that we die. I think I've only heard that once before. That's really good. But and then, and whether that is on purpose by design or if it's just a byproduct of bureaucracy, I don't know. But it doesn't matter. That's that's how it is. Uh, any way you look at it. So we need those service officers. And, uh, yeah. and and that's a big reason why I'm doing this series, Scott, because anything that I can find that will help these branches survive, it, it's just so important. And let's talk about uh, the logistics of the Legion a little bit. So there's a, when people think of the Legion, they think of the pub, and that's it. But the Legion is so much more than that. Uh, how would you describe the Legion to somebody? Oh yeah, the the legion runs on on its executive. You know, there's uh, there's uh, so much that happens behind the scenes that people don't realize. Uh, you, you know, you have your president who is always, uh, you know, the fire is stoked under their feet all the time because they're going so many things they have to approve and and do the the legwork on to understand fully what's going on and you know uh, keeping the the business afloat itself. Uh, right down through the, the whole executive is, is an important piece. You know, they're, they're, each one of them provides such an insight that helps keep the Legion, you know, each branch going. Um, and 
that's just on the local level and it just keeps climbing up from there and the bureaucracy is there i mean that to, to say otherwise would be foolish uh there are many levels from uh, provincial commands all the way up to dominion command and unfortunately like anything uh it it does get heavy up top and but i think uh for the most part it it's uh as long as it's being run as efficiently as possible, it's we're already ten steps ahead of the government. <laughs> Let's talk about the poppy fund, because uh, when people think about the legion, they think about just the poppy fund. But that's a separate legal entity, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. The poppy fund is only there to support veterans. It's it's not there for for anything else. It's it has one designation, and that's all. And, uh, you know, you can't just use it for general revenues and, you know, you want to buy a new table for in the, in the Legion, you can't do that. I mean, there's, there's many rules that are applied uh, to the Legion right across the board. The poppy fund is just one, one aspect. So what sort of supports would be used? Like that would the poppy fund uh, be dipped into for? Uh, Well, if we have a veteran that, uh, that, that's having difficulties. He's, he's passing through town and he's down on his luck. I mean, we can, we can definitely uh, set him up in a hotel and, and get him cleaned up and, and that sort of thing. I mean, of course, all of that has to be documented because uh, you know, the issues of uh, people saying that they're veterans and not actually being veterans is, is always an issue. So that has to, you have to do your legwork there and, uh, you know, make sure that the person that you're going to be taking care of is actually a former serving member or serving member who's having issues. Uh, so that's just one example. We could feed them and, and house them for, you know, a limited amount of time. And then that's when the other, you know, dealing with veterans affairs comes in to, to have that take over. What are some of the checks and balances for stolen valor? I've certainly run into a lot of it. And I think the general consensus is, is that the legions are a hotbed for, for stolen valor types. I ran into a, a fake Patricia at the grand, I always want to say grand cash, but it's not uh, Prince George legion on a, on remembrance day. And uh, sometimes you can just tell by the look on their face <laughs> before you even ask any questions, but there's so many of them. What checks and balances are there uh, that, that you're aware of to weed out uh, stolen valor? Well, one of the first checks and balances is, is having an executive that understands what that is and that they could be getting duped. So, I mean, the staff at the, uh, the Merritt Branch 96, they, they've been pretty good at that. I mean, like I say, I watched and, and they've managed to, to be able to say, hey, this, this isn't reading right. We should look into it. And then you can go through the, the back channels within the Legion to verify somebody's service number and, and that sort of thing to make sure that they are actually valid. I so wonder, those are those are those are the definite ones, right? So, is there any sort of um, check or cross reference when somebody applies to be uh, a member as a what's a veteran status as a member? As ordinary member? Yeah, yes, that's correct. Okay, so if somebody says I want to be an ordinary member, and uh, because mm-hmm. I'm a veteran, and they're not, how do you catch it? Well, because they have to provide their service number. Okay, right off the top. That, that's on the paperwork. They have to give the, their service number and their date of birth, their full name, all of that stuff has to go down and then it gets sent off and, and we find out whether or not they're legitimate or not. 
How do people slip through the cracks? Because, I mean, that seems simple and airtight the way that is, but people do slip through the cracks and mm-hmm. even end up on the executive. Yeah, well, and that's that's people not doing their due diligence. A lot of this comes down to the human error, mm. human factor, right? If you're not doing the work, then, you know, oh, Tom says he's a good guy. Well, he says he's a vet. You know, he tells a great story. We'll, we'll put him in charge. You know, and that's, that's how it happens. If you're not doing your homework, you're going to get caught every time. You'll get bit. Have you run so, into it yourself personally at the Legion? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had one one fellow that, uh, you know, was claiming he was something he wasn't. And I had a polite conversation with him. And he hasn't returned. <laughs> and what <laughs> happens? Uh, was that a person with, who had a membership of some sort? And is that just simply? Yeah, he re- was a member. He was a member. He was wearing medals on Remembrance Day the whole nine yards. And, oh, boy. Uh, you know, it. Yeah, <laughs> there there are certain medals that are out there that you cannot wear without somebody raising an eyebrow. There's lots out there that you could, but uh, there are specific ones that you can't. And people will just ask questions. You don't show up wearing the Victoria Cross. <laughs> that was the first one I came to mind when you were saying that. Yeah, it's um, it's staggering. And I used to really get angry at these people, but actually, I, I actually have a great deal of compassion. Uh, for them because yeah, there's, absolutely because there's something deeply deeply missing in their lives that yeah. they have to say they were when they weren't and <clears throat> um so i approach that from from a point of compassion now the uh of course there's different types of stolen valor as well um there's those that never served a day in their life that say that they did then almost more common are those that mildly or greatly exaggerate their actual service there's a pile of that as well. Are there any consequences yeah, uh, if if you did serve but you exaggerate your service? Is there any consequences within Legion culture, other than being shunned? Shame, shame. Yeah, that's to me that would be about the extent that it would go. I I, I mean it would have to be something very serious before it would go up any higher in the chain than that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to say anything further on that, Mark. I mean, it, there's just uh, just what's in place now. Shaming is is the biggest one, and, and in some cases, I mean, there's there's veterans that uh, that don't realize they're even committing that, you know, stolen valor. They've been uh, told that oh, everybody gets that medal, you know, and and then they put it on, but it's not in their MRR. And for most guys including myself, I didn't even know we had MRRs. I, didn't so, even know, I don't even know what know, that is. Yeah. It's, it's the members report, right. And, and it oh. has everything in there that they're, that they're entitled to. So that, that's, that's also common. Well, it's is, the, it, is it worth, uh, is it worth, you know, punishing somebody beyond, uh, you know, like stripping them of all their, their membership and, and so on and not helping them out because they've, they've been led to believe something else there. I don't know. It's to me that's a that's a sticky point. It is fake medals are my personal um, Rubicon that cannot be crossed. <laughs> you know, uh, when you're wake, wearing yeah. a fake medal, especially if you um, if you have served and you know better, because you should understand what those medals mm-hmm. mean. But for whatever reason, you, you just want a little bit more jewelry on your chest than than the, than yep. the next person. That is just too much. Uh, I think one of the more common ones is people wearing their wings when they, 
when they never got the jump course or served in the airborne, but they got their wings on anyway. Yeah. You know, for yeah, I, I did love my that jump one. course and I I did my jump course. I didn't pass. Uh, that's I, I just for me I can't see the point of wearing wings that you didn't earn. So yeah. you know, that's just the way it goes. But again, like you say, there's compassion for people that are that are doing things like that because they're they obviously feel an insecurity level there, which is unfortunate. It is. I mean, th- that comes from from something. Those that uh, there's people that who never served a day in their life that get married in their CFs <laughs> or in stolen yeah. CFs, uh, it, yeah. in the DEUs. It's it's unbelievable how far people will yeah. go. But that's how little they feel about themselves is that they mm-hmm. they, they need to put on a costume because for not, us, yeah. it's, it, it ain't no costume. It's uh, hard, hard earned, especially for us grunts, you know, uh, absolutely nothing that yeah. we uh, have came easily, nothing. And then of course, um, mm-hmm. those of us uh, that have been deployed like you and I have, it's, that's all, that's a whole other thing and not yeah. something to be faked. It's just, people don't know, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do because they really don't. <laughs> They, they don't know yeah. what they're doing. So what are, um, do you have any s- strong don'ts for people? Like if you do this, your legion will fail. Or if you do this, uh, people won't come back. Are there any strong don'ts yeah. that, that we should avoid? Yeah, if you don't change, if you don't roll with, with the way society is revolving or evolving, then you're you're not going to survive. And if you do, it'll just be by the skin of your fingertips. You know, you're just... It's it's not healthy that way. You you need to to flourish. And that's the idea behind the legion is we we make money to help veterans, and if you're not making money, you're not helping anybody, and that's that's you know the basis of that. So you have to look at your business model and make sure that you're you're changing. You have to evolve. That's the big one. That's the big don't. If you don't evolve, you're gonna die. A couple of the ideas that I came up with on the uh, last episode, I'd love your ideas on it and, and what you think. So one of the ideas, um, and I was using the experience where you, you commented on the viral video that I made of getting kicked out of uh, one of the local legions because um, I was having a coffee and reading <laughs> reading a book. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, but one of the ideas that I had is that if somebody does stroll in like I did, because um, they're just looking for a bit of a refuge, they're looking for a, an oasis, um, to have a, a shelf full of maybe Canadian flags or something like that, and take the flag, you put it on the table, and that's a sign that this is a veteran, and uh, and doesn't want to talk to anybody that isn't also uh, serving, just so people know. Because in some legions, veterans are as rare as hen's teeth, and um, yeah. uh, so that, that's one idea. Let's let's start there. What do you think of that kind of idea, where you can put a marker on the table, like a little flag that says, "This is a veteran, and I I, I want to be left alone, uh, except um, by other veterans." Hmm. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> there, there's a few things that, uh, you know, just come to mind right off the top. And that's, number one, you're singling yourself out. And, you know, you're, that's like wearing a flag. Look, this is me. I'm over here. And I, I, I'd caution that sort of behavior just just because. I mean, you, you can sit in, a, in, a, in an establishment and have a persona that, people will not want to engage with. 
you don't necessarily need to have a, you know, a big shiny flag or a, a stick waving over here saying, don't come and talk to me because a lot of people will look at the wet paint sign and what's the first thing they do? They stick their hand on the wet paint sign, right? So I, I that's one I would use caution with myself. I, I just tend to, to, to do things personally and I just go and sit. And if I don't want to be talked to, then I, I put that across. People realize it. Stay out of my airspace. What if it's somebody that's uh, coming in? Because my concern and the reason I made that video um, about me getting kicked out was what if I was in distress and what if I was in a flap and I was suicidal and the only thing I, I could think of to do was to stumble into a legion um, as a cry for help. And that's why I was there. What if I was that guy? Cause I'm sure that that's gotta be something that happens. So uh, the, it's one of the reasons I identified myself when I went in there. It's like, by the way, I'm a veteran, just so you know, um, yeah. not just Joe Blow, because um, it's supposed to be our house. You know, this is our house. So that's more the the idea. And, and sometimes people are are just looking for that refuge. So a lot of legions have a veterans lounge or veterans only area, um, and that's more. The, the idea that I had in my head. What's your idea of having a special section or room that's veterans only? Well, we don't have that currently. Uh, mind you, that's not something that we've had to deal with either. Putting some, some just quick thought into that, I mean, it, it's definitely something that's viable. It could work. Uh, I, I wonder, though, uh, I guess it would depend on the situation and the size of the operation. So if you've got a, a big legion and there's, you know, your room is full daily with, with a hundred people and most of them are civilian and, and you just wanted a place where vets could go. Uh, some, some branches don't have the capacity for more than one room. Uh, our legion, we have two, we have an upstairs and a downstairs. So, I mean, if, if somebody's in the stress, number one, uh, and we pick up on that. We are we are going to uh, we're going to look after that individual anyhow, and and that's you know one of the the hardest things of watching your video about uh, you know being treated the way you were uh, was very distressing to me. Is that nobody had the compassion in that room to to check on your well being? They were more concerned about bingo, and that that to me is the troubling part. And I am, I'm out of the loop on what's going to happen with that. And I'll, I'm sure it'll come down the pipe about what's happened. But, uh, you know, for me, my, my biggest concern is, is the individual. So, and I, you know, I've got mental health training and all of that stuff, mental health first aid training. So I recognize, and I've been in the PTSD game for a long time, as you know. And so I, I, I know what I'm looking for in that regard, but for a legion that doesn't, Having a, a, a room that's set aside, uh, it's it's an option, but I, it's not always uh, it's not always going to be a possibility. Well, that's where that's side, where right? that flag idea came from. Because if you don't have a possibility, like at this particular one, it's it was this big one open room. I didn't see any place that could be uh, uh, sectioned off. So uh, if you're to put a, a Canadian flag, it's a literal red flag on the table. That says I'm a veteran. You know, and um, and then from there, you know, watching body language or whatever, but just knowing that that's a 
this is now a reserve. It's just a reserve sign is all it is. So it, it creates a veterans only, um, a veterans lounge for that one little table. And, it, you know, if you're um, at, a, at a round table that sits six people, you know, then you, there's your veterans lounge because yeah. the flag's on the table. So it seemed like an easy solution for me right. as far as that would be concerned. Uh, well, nothing is ever easy when you're dealing in the veterans community, especially with somebody's privacy and so on. So I, I think, you know, the, one of the suggestions you, you relayed there was that if the, if the vet was in distress, uh, I, I, I don't think if you're in that frame of mind, you're going to put a flag out. You're just going to be, you're going to be too distraught to, to actually take that presence of mind. Um, I, I, Mark, you know, I, I really, I'd have to see it in operation to, to really know if it's something that, uh, that would trigger others and, and, or, uh, you know, we're trying to break down some stigma that revolves around PTSD as well. So that's why I'm, I'm cautious to, to say how that would work. Honestly, we don't, we don't want people, uh, civilians to think that, uh, you know, I'm a disgruntled vet and stay out of my airspace. I'm miserable and I'm cranky and I could, I could tear you apart with my bare hands kind of stuff. You know, uh, the media hype that, that came out of the, the, you know, the veterans coming out of the Vietnam War was, was horribly uh, inappropriate and, and, you know, disproportionately out of control, uh, labeling vets as, as drug crazed murderers and so on. And, and that stigma, even though it's in the U.S., has never, uh, never fully recovered, you know, and, and even here in Canada. Like, we, our, our people seem to watch American media and, and apply it to what's happening in Canada. So, again, there's, there's that stigma that, that revolves around post-traumatic stress disorder and operational stress injury here in Canada. And I think putting a flag out might be detrimental. That's just my my you know quick it would, it would be the choice of the veteran mm-hmm. though it would be that veteran's yeah, choice yeah. to, to say it, whether yeah, then, whether they are comfortable with that or not to signify themselves as being a veteran yeah but uh is it just being a veteran like is is that virtue signaling like there's a whole lot of that in our community as well yeah there is and, and, and it could be that know, as well and you're not wrong about the stigma a good example of exactly what you're saying Geez, I can think of a couple of them, but um, yeah. uh, well, let's uh, say uh, Dave Howard, Homes for Heroes. Uh, they're doing the the grand opening or the groundbreaking, one of the ceremonies for for the Homes for Heroes um, village that he, that he was building in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And one of the local ladies is like, "Well, didn't you know that there's a, a playground just five blocks from here?" Uh, yeah. Why? Well, what if they kill one of our kids? <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? And a similar um, Valor place uh, on the outskirts of um, Calgary was forced to move. This beautiful retreat for veterans and first responders where you can go there with your family and it was there's a hill there. You could uh, toboggan with your kids or there's a little ice, um, uh, like outdoor skating rink out behind it. Beautiful, beautiful property. Uh, you could do an overnighter with your spouse if you want um, with one of the rooms, you know, for free. Just book it ahead and uh, just a great place to unwind. A beautiful, beautiful oasis. And all the NIMBYs, all the not-in-my-backyard crowd were concerned about these 
dangerous. It's like these are cops and firefighters and, and veterans, the least dangerous people in society. These are your protectors. These are the people yeah. that, that got your back. These are the heroes that run into burning buildings um, who are and you're scared of them. So you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally understand where you're coming from with uh, being cautious and mindful of that stigma. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, I think it's also important to mention that not all uh, people that serve, whether they're military, uh, police, fire, ambulance, are good people. That's, you know, there's there are bad people that, that wear uniforms. And yeah. uh, that's not to say that, uh, you know, uh, people are going to be traumatized by having a, a veteran's home near theirs or a retreat. But uh, I, I, I'm not so naive as to say that uh, everybody that wears a uniform is uh, our knight in shining armor because, you know, the Air Force officer, you know, guilty of uh, serial killing. I won't mention his name, but uh, we all know who he is. And there, there are people like that, that that live amongst us. So I I think uh, that's true. Isn't that true in any community, though? Absolutely. I'm just I'm trying to make sure that, you know, if, if we're going to talk about uh, putting putting a, a light on vets as, as the, the be all end all, that's not necessarily the reality. There's lots of bad out there, too. So uh, it goes right back to the disgruntled vets and, and so on, um, dysfunctional. And and some of them actually really are so. I can understand why some people don't want to have that in their backyard, but that's that's their opinion too, right? We need to well, that's to also look after the, the one who can. That's also the importance of these places and the importance of why um, going way back to the beginning of our conversation, the the culture of a junior ranks club. If somebody has just been through some heavy shit or just got back from a tour. Or maybe you're on tour and you just came back from an operation and um, you have a few beers in you and somebody's coming right off the rails. Well, we know how to deal with that with each other, you know, and we have each other's back. And if somebody needs to blow off some steam, we kind of create a bubble around them while that steam is being blown off. And we create the the original safe space for that person and to, and and they will listen to us. You know, if somebody is uh, going right off the rails, and that's the importance of having veterans in, involved in the Legion as well, because if somebody is in distress like that, we can deal with it far, far better than uh, somebody who is not part of that culture, not part of that community, because they'll listen to us, whereas uh, mm-hmm. they, they, they won't listen to somebody that they don't trust. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to go here. I'm looking at my battery power, and even though I have my phone plugged in this. Well, this like I told you off air, man, it's usually, right, it's usually right around 50 minutes, and that's exactly <laughs> yeah. where we are. So, yeah, There we go. But um, uh, anything that we didn't get to that uh, it was on your mind for this conversation? Yeah, actually, there is one very important part that veterans need to hear right now if they're going to do anything with the Legion. The veterans, the only way to, to fix a lot of the issues that are happening within the Legion is to become a member, become active in your branch, come in, do whatever you need to do, get your paperwork sorted out, have a beer or have a Coke, you know, just come, come in, be involved. 
All righty. Oh, <laughs> your phone just went on me. That's hilarious. All righty. Well, that's a good parting, good parting words, Scott. And thank you so much for being on the show with me today, brother. And I think I've lost you, but that's okay. Scott, if you can hear me, stay in the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast, doing a special series on how to save the Royal Canadian Legion. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, healing, or informative, please let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple. And please share, share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels. Because sharing is caring.